Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. Ephraimites and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Reinbold, and this is the House of Ephraim show today. We do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbold. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity. Again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that. And you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call. 618-262-2810 and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Decker. I'm going to go on with the third part in the purpose of temptation. Now, up until now, we have tried to get you to understand that temptation is something that is given and brought to you by God ordained by God to make you Christ-like or more Christ-like, to bring you in the fullness of Christ. And that's what it's really all about. Now, 
Uh, God tempts no one, as the Bible teaches us, but He has given it to be such for you to be tempted by the devil, if you will, and some of it is your own self-doing. But anyway, the whole outcome of it is is to bring you closer to that place of being Christ himself. Uh, being a Christian, the name itself uh, is Christ, meaning being Christ-like. This morning we're going to start again uh, in 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, the 13th verse. And the reason we want to start here, and we probably will do this throughout this series, is that we want you to be very, very certain that you understand that there hath no temptation. Now, this is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you, be not, that you may be able to bear it. In other words, there's not anything going to come in your life that you can't handle. And how many of us have ever been in, and I can raise my hand, into a place of temptation thinking, oh, I'm not going to make it, this is going to take me under. And, of course, that's exactly the opposite of what we are to believe according to the Word of God. And, of course, through this, this study, we're going to be able to show you, bless God, that you're going to be able to uh, change your whole viewpoint and the way that you have once looked at being tempted as to understanding the true meaning as God would have it understood in your life. Now, we gave you a formula, and we're going to go back to that formula. Uh, I call it the law for provision. Uh, God gives us a promise, which is linked to a principle or a condition, followed by a problem, which is a temptation, which leads to the provision. All right? So there is a promise, but every promise that you, uh, that's in this Bible is linked to a principle or a condition. And you you got to understand, there are no automatic, I, got, I receive the promise. We Too many of us are standing on the promises of God, you know, that old song, and, and, and uh, uh, we, we get talking about, well, I receive that promise. I receive that promise. Well, you can receive them all day, but every promise in this book has a condition that is linked to it, all right? And you understand that every one of those conditions that, that's linked to it is followed by a temptation, or a problem, link to it, just hand in hand. You got the promise, all right. You got you got the promise. You got the you got the condition, and bless God that then you understand the temptation comes, uh, and then the provision follows the temptation, and it, everything that you ever into it'll work that way. There is that law will work in in anything. It works in that way, or when it comes to these spiritual things that are going on for teaching. Uh, as your place of rising up or coming to place with God. Now, uh, our behavior in the temptation itself, all right, determines to what extent or how soon or even whether or not we'll come into our provision. Now, I'm going to say that again. If you're taking notes, you need to be sure to get this down. Our behavior, your behavior, my behavior in the temptation, when you're in that place of temptation or within that problem, determines... To what extent, how soon, or even whether or not we'll come into our provision. Now, what uh, your behavior. So you understand that your behavior in this has everything to do with the outcome of it. All right? It's just that simple. That, 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 that if you'll understand that your behavior and how you handle this thing. And dear God in heaven, I know in my own life. My own walk, uh, the temptation would come, and I'd go, oh, no, here comes another. You know, oh, the, you know, the devil just keeps coming at me, keeps coming at me. keeps. Coming. But I never realized that God was permitting that to happen in my life in order for me to become Christ-like. Now, I never realized that, all right? I never, that was something I couldn't see. Why couldn't I see that? Because, you see, self, number one, is in the way. In the very beginning, all of our walks with Jesus. We always want the best for self, and that's... That's a, that's a thing that has to happen in our lives, a change, a change that has to come in our lives where we get rid of self and we become Christ-like. All right? It has to happen. And through the renewing of, of your mind by the Word of God is a large extent of it, through going and understanding and going through temptation and understanding about temptation. Now, in Exodus 15, if you will, please. Exodus, the 15th chapter. And I know it was really um, quite a neat thing in my life when I begin to understand that God truly does have it all in control. 
sometimes we get to uh, kind of playing games and thinking with ourselves and thinking that maybe God doesn't have it all in control, but my brothers and sisters, He does. If you found Exodus 15, we're going to read the first two verses, then we're going to skip down a ways. You need to read all that chapter, but we're not going to do that this morning. Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, singing, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and, the, and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength. Now listen to this. The Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him a habitation. My Father's God, and I will exhort him. And this was the song that they sang. This is the song that they sang. Now, look in the 13th verse. Thou, the, thou in thy mercy hast led forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength unto thy holy habitation. Now, going down into the 18th verse. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. Now, going down to the 20th verse. And Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambrels and with dance. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. And dear God in heaven, what a time that they had celebrating the Lord and proclaiming his greatness. Proclaiming his greatness. I do like what Moses over here. Then sang Moses. See, some people just think, think that David did all the singing. No, Moses sang. Uh, then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song. And, and uh, the second verse says, The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will pray him a habitation. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. And, of course, the whole, the whole uh, nation of Israel was singing that song and exalting the Lord God for uh, he had triumphed gloriously. And this, course, was right after they came across the Red Sea, right after they come across and turned and saw the very miracle that God had given the children of Israel had destroyed the whole Egyptian army right behind them. They watched that. And all the glory was given to God, and they carried on, they carried on, they carried on, they carried on. And then they found the water bitter. Instead of praising God... Uh, um, and watch him perform another miracle for him. What did they begin to do? Well, they, they began to murmur. And they began to, you know, well, I, we should have died in Egypt. And, and they, they, you know, they complained about this and they complained about that. And it went on, it went on, it went on, it went on, it went on. How many of us know that sometimes instead of exalting God and loving God and praising God, uh, we get into one of those places in our own lives? Where all we're doing is murmuring. Oh, this job is terrible, and God, this isn't no. You know, I'm not getting paid enough money, and all oh, this circumstance I've got at home with the kids and my husband and my wife, and this. I mean, this. How many realize that we're doing the same exact thing that they were doing there? We're still carrying it on today. Amen. We just don't have the Red Sea to stand there and look at, do we? But we do have the wilderness that's in our lives to look at. That's what we have. We have the wilderness that's in our lives. Now, God brought about another set of circumstances, providing them with another opportunity to choose to trust Him. God always brings the ground. See, the wonderful thing about God is this. God never gives up on us. Can you say amen to that? That's the reason I said it's a good thing I'm not God, and it's a good thing you're not God, because me and you give up on people, wouldn't we? Sometimes we'll give up on ourselves. But you see, God never gives up on us. And, and He'll always bring around another set of circumstances in our life you know, they'll look different in some cases. But the fact of it is, give us another opportunity. Give us another opportunity to choose to trust Him. And that's what temptation is all about. Is you making a choice to trust God. That's what it's all about. You and I making that choice to trust God. Instead of trusting what? Our own vain imaginations. huh? Instead of trusting what seemingly is there. That's where the whole thing out of... Out of uh, out of uh, Hebrews 11.1 1, uh, came about, now faith, now faith, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. See, when you can trust God, you don't matter what the circumstance, it don't matter what the evidence is trying to show you. You're going to understand that God's, I'm trusting God, I'm going to trust the Word, I'm going to trust the Word of God. And when you can build your faith walk up to that place where you can do that, then you will be, trying, uh, be, be victorious in every situation in your life. In every situation of your life. Now, uh, learning uh, to identify 
the root cause of our problem. And it's important that you learn to identify. Okay? We almost always make the mistake of blaming our difficulties on our circumstances. Amen? Well, I mean, after all, I'd be the president of this company if, the, you know, if, the, if, that, if that boss liked me. Come on. Well, you know, I, I, you know if, I just, if I made a little bit more money, I mean, I'd, I'd be able to tithe more money. We always blame the circumstance. We always blame that circumstance that we're within instead of looking at the real root of what's going on. Uh, now, expecting God to change him, we get looking at our difficulties and those circumstances, and, and we get expecting God to change them. Well, don't, don't misunderstand. God can cause the change of any circumstance instantaneously. He can do that. But the fact of the matter is, God just isn't all that anxious to instantly just change the circumstance that you have in your life without you learning something within that circumstance, within that problem, within that temptation. God wants you to learn through that. God wants you to learn something through that. So whatever you're going through today, there's something there that God's wanting you to learn, or my brothers and sisters, you would not be going through it. Can you understand that? That's the reason I say with ministry, uh, with ministry, uh, hey, you, to grow up in a ministry, especially if it's going to be a deliverance type of ministry, you're going to find out that it's like pulling eye teeth because there, it seems like that all hell is breaking loose most of the time. And when it's not, you can't relax and be happy because you're waiting on it to happen again, you know? And, 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 and you come to find out all God's doing is doing what? Is bringing us up so we can be ministers. Bringing us up, bringing, letting circumstances come into our lives, teaching us that we've got to learn to handle that in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, um, now, our own attitude is causing the problem. Now, I want you to write that down. Your own attitude is causing your problem. When your attitude changes, the problem will change if it changes rightly. Okay? When your attitude changes, when, your atti- when the attitude changes, the problem will dissolve if, it's done, if it changes in the right way. Now, if it doesn't, it could stay there uh, forever and ever and ever. Again, God can change your circumstances instantly if He wants. Uh, when He doesn't, it's because He wants to change something in us. All right? He's wanting to change something in us. He wants to change something inside of you. The circumstances are there to bring about what needs to be changed. Now, listen to that. Now, that's, I'm going to tell you something. That may be, may be the most profound revelation that I give you in this whole study. And I'm going to read that again to you off of my notes. The circumstances are there to bring about what, what needs to be changed in our lives. That's the reason that's there. The reason that temptation is in your life is there's something in your life that needs to be changed. Now, if that isn't profound, tell me what is. Huh? And that's not just because I'm saying it. I'm, I'm just saying, stop and think about that for a minute. If, in fact... You will get that into your spirit. If you'll get that into your spirit and understand then that the circumstance is there to change something in your life. All right? I can't seem to get a good job. What's that going on? What, what, what's it within that circumstance? There, God is wanting to change something in your life. You're either seeking after the wrong type of employment. huh? You're outside the will of God into that employment that you're in, and God's going to take you another direction. He's going to use that circumstance. He's going to use that circumstance to change your life for the better if you'll let it. Now, we're going to get to that in a minute. Now, you know, something always uh, amazed me about the wilderness was that they wandered around out there in 40 years. Around and around they went. On foot, on foot, it actually takes, from between Egypt and Canaan, it takes two weeks on foot straight across. Now, you take two weeks and you realize that they wandered around out there 40 years. Can you imagine that? Two-week two week track across there would have gone, and they round and went. Have we seen this rock before Moses? I believe this, I believe this looks like the same watering hole as that before Moses. Huh? Well, I remember that. They probably had the trees named and the, you know... Around they went, around they went, around they went, around they went, around they went in the wilderness. 
They kept going around in the wilderness. Always amazed me. Two weeks, and they spent 40 years going around in circles. And some of us have spent a lifetime, my brothers and sisters, going around in circles if we're not careful. I know a lot of good Christians. And see, being, a, being somebody that loves God does not dictate the fact that you're going to grow up in Jesus Christ. It takes more than that. It takes more than the I want to's. You've got to get in there and roll up your sleeves and begin to understand what God is doing. You've got to understand God Himself to, to, some, to some degree. You'll never understand Him totally. But you at least have to understand what He's trying to do and how He's trying to do it. You have to understand that. Now, uh, with each problem that they had, and they kept their complaining, their bitterness uh, grew and their rebellion hardened. And when they had... Uh, Finally got to the promised land, they refused to go in, didn't they? They refused to go in. Five, forty years went by. Hmm? And they got, the rebellion got worse, and I mean, they carried on, the murmuring got worse. And they finally, Moses says, all right, we're going to send those twelve people in to check out the land, and we're going to have them to come back and give us a report. And they did, and hmm, the giants in the land were as grasshoppers of a truth. It's a land of milk and honey, and they carried back... Uh, all kind of fruit and all kind of this and all kind of that to prove that it was. But there were giants in the land. What well, again, the circumstance that was at hand. Their problem area was the giants. That wasn't their problem area at all. That wasn't it at all. Their problem area was they didn't trust God. See, God said, I give you the land. He said, I've given you. He said, I've given you that land of milk and honey. He said, all you've got to do is go in and take it. He said, go in and take the land. Go in and take the land. Go in and take the land. Well, we can't go in and take the land. He said, Moses, you've got to be an idiot. There, there's giants over there. We can't, we, can't, we can't fight against giants. Yet they had watched the, the God that they served open an ocean up, destroy a whole army. They had watched the God bring water out of a rock. They had watched the God that they served bring manna from heaven to feed them. They watched the God that they served. They wandered around out there and never even wore their shoes out. Do you realize that? Never even wore their shoes out in that 40 years. Didn't even have to get new leather on their shoes. 40 years. And yet it came down to the place where finally it would all come down to it. And the Lord said, all right, Moses, tell them to go take the land. And they come back and, no, can't take the land. Said, there's giants in there. Can't do it. Now, uh, as we know that Joshua and Caleb... They were the only ones uh, uh, that come to the place of believing that the land could be taken. Now, you have to understand something. Christianity is more than repeated forgivefulness. Uh, God uh, forgives, and He forgives, and He forgives, and He forgives. Uh, every time we do something wrong, He's going to forgive you if you come to Him and His Son, Jesus. Now, it also has to do with the willingness... And obedience. It's, uh, I mean, you've got to repent, but it's gotta, you've got to have willingness and obedience to go with that repentance in order for you to come out where God wants you to come out. In other words, if you keep repenting from a sin that you know you're doing, all right, and if you're not willing and obedient to walk from that sin and trust God, you'll find yourself right back in that sin the next day, the next week, the next month. And you'll be going through this whole same process again and again and again. Can you see? Can you see the correlation with that? Even with what we're teaching here, with with and, and I couldn't think of anything better to use to, to, when I worked on this uh, lesson uh, in the very beginning as I began to teach it. Uh, uh, now, some uh, uh, some ten years ago, to use then the children of Israel and a situation that they had in hand. It correlates so closely to us and the way that we live today. They had their wilderness was there. It was physical. We have our wilderness today. And in many cases, it's spiritual. Same type of a thing. Same type of wilderness that we must learn, we must learn to come through. Now, Moses, let's look at Numbers, the 14th chapter. Now, in Numbers, the 14th chapter, Moses pleaded with God to pardon her sins. He pleaded with God. Now, your ministries today should be doing the same thing, should be pleading with God, that not only that, not so much that your sins be pardoned, because He'll pardon your sins, but pleading with God that you see 
that you see where your sins are bringing you to. All right? Now, if you found 14, look in 30, 36. Numbers 14, look in 36. Even those men that did bring up the evil report upon the land died by the plague before the Lord. See, none of them went in. None of them went in. Joshua and Caleb and all the younger generation, the older generation didn't go in. They absolutely, uh, from 20 years old and, and, and upward, all died in the wilderness. All right? Now, uh, uh, the 40th verse says, And they rose up early in the morning and got them up into the top of the mountain, saying, Lo, we be here, and will go up into the place which the Lord hath promised, for we have sinned. And Moses said, Wherefore, how do you transgress the commandment of the Lord, but it shall not prosper? Go not up, for the Lord is not among you, that you be not smitten before your enemies. The Lord God, the Lord God uh, knows exactly the path in which each of us are walking, or should be walking. And, in fact, He knows the one that we're on now. Now, whether it's the right direction or it's the wrong direction. Uh, what Moses here is saying, he says, it's not going to prosper. It's not going to prosper anybody to say, that I uh, forgive me for my sins if you're not going to be willing and obedient to walk within that, as I mentioned before. Uh, you need to, to, to repent. That's something that a lot of people don't seem to understand. And I've been around some Christians that think that the only time they repented was when they repented of their sins and asked Jesus to come into their heart. Uh, that's the only time they need to repent. But I'm here to tell you, you sin daily. Paul said, I sin daily. If Paul sinned daily, and I think he had a better track on this thing than some of us will ever think about having in walking in the Word of God, then you and I must have some sins in our lives that we need to repent for daily. I'm talking about sins that you sin thinking in your mind, and the sins that you sin with your actions and with your mouths. You need to repent for those things. But again, it won't do any good to repent for them if you're not going to be willing and obedient to trust God within His Word for that situation that's in your life. Now, you and I can stay in our wildernesses uh, until Christ comes, if you want to. There's going to be a lot of Christians that are going to be wandering around with the same problem that they had in their life when Jesus Christ comes as they had the day that He came into their hearts. Now, stop and think about that for a minute. That's the reason I'm, I'm always saying to people, if you've got the same problem in your life today that you had a year ago, there's something drastically wrong. And the thing that's drastically wrong about it is that you just flat don't understand what God is trying to show you, what God is trying to bring you out of. You don't understand what God's trying to teach you. God is wanting to teach you something. God is wanting to change you in a certain way. But you're rebelling, and you're not going to be changed. I'm not going to be changed. That's what I'm always saying. You know, finding the will of God is not hard to do. Finding the will of God really isn't all that difficult to do. People say, well, I prayed and I fasted. Well, you should pray and fast. But you see, most of us want divine, supernatural guidance by God. Should I, Lord God, take this job? And you pray and you fast and, and all of a sudden you either have conjured up in the imagination in your mind that you should or you shouldn't. But most of us don't understand that all you need to really do is pray and say, God, if it be thy will for me to have that job, open the door. But if it's not your will for me to have that job, shut that door and Satan, I bind you in the name of Jesus Christ either way from it. You know what that does? That takes care of all of it in the name of Jesus. Then you know what happens? You go for that job. If that door opens, you go in it. God give you that job. But you know what happens to most of us? We go to that job and we get to think in our mind, God told us we're supposed to have that job. And we go and we try to, and, and that door closes and we get the spiritual crowbar out and we get to kicking that door and prying on that door and beating on that door, taking the screws off the hinges and yanking the door off. And we're going to go in there because we, yeah. Yeah, I've even prayed, God, you shut the door, and then the door shut, and I yank the thing open. Get in there and have a whole mess, and then the Lord finally say, Well, son, it's a little tough to do this when you pray. If it be my will to shut the door, shut it. He said, I shut it, then you, you, you pried it open. Now, he said, one of us is going to have to run this, either me or you. And he said, at this point, you're not doing very well. And I wasn't, never have, never could. And I found out that just let God do it. 
So you understand something about the will of God? Hmm. Instead of just keep walking over, you ever seen those wind-up dolls that's when you walk around here, they run into something, they back up, and they, they walk back up, and they run, huh? That's what some of us are doing. Bless God, instead of keep beating on that, change, find a different wall to knock on for a while. Do you know something? That'll get you in the will of God. You know it will. If that don't, don't, don't keep beating on that same door. Bless God. God's bigger than that. Amen? If God really wanted you in there, God could really get you in there. And if it won't open up, go try another door. Beat on it for a while. If that don't work, get on another door. You'll find the will of God by accident. Now, see, that don't sound very spiritual, does it? Huh? That don't sound like some great spiritual vision from God, does it? That doesn't sound like, that doesn't sound like one of the archangels coming and taking you by the hand and taking you into that. No. But you see, it works. Because, see, my Bible says that the Lord God will not permit my foot to slip, hmm? and He'll guide every footstep that I take. And i got news for you. How do the just live? By faith. Not by visions. Not by dreams. But by faith does the just live. And that's the way, that's the way you just learn to trust God. People say, well, Brother Decker, you, you have visions. I don't have no visions when it comes to the guidance of my life the guidance of this ministry, or even the guidance of this church. It comes how? Through trusting God. I'm not afraid to make decisions. The reason I'm not afraid to make decisions, I've made enough bad decisions. huh? I've made enough mistakes with all this thing long enough that I found out that sooner or later, God will see to it I get it right. If I keep seeking God. Again, that don't sound like no great divine revelation from some man of God, does it? But that's the way it works with all men and women of God. That's the way it works. We learn to trust God, trust God within the situation. No matter, and understand something, understand something. When, when, again, you're trying to get into that door, make, pry that door open to make it work, and it's not the will of God, and God leaves it shut, and you, and then you're all down and out, and you're, you're mad at God, you're mad at the devil, you're mad at your wife, you're mad at the family, you're mad at everybody, huh? With God, all things are possible. You know that's the truth, but in this case, you're not sure, hmm? Now, that's going to get us down to some more thoughts here, some more things that we can think about. Now, uh, uh, let me see where I'm at. I lost my place. If you and I are smart, uh, we'll be able to recognize a situation that's in our lives. And if we're not smart, okay, you know what's going to happen? Yeah, I keep saying another lap around the wilderness. We'll just take another lap around the wilderness, kids. Here we go. And again, you, 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 can, you can make two, wraps, two laps around the wilderness and get it all straightened out, or you can make 50 laps around the wilderness, you can make 250 laps around the wilderness, or bless God, you can keep going around the wilderness until Jesus comes. That is your decision. It's not mine. That is going to be your determination as to whether or not you grow up in the Word of God. Because you see, if you can't, and we're going to get on into this in the next lesson or two, you go from this wilderness to this wilderness to this wilderness to this wilderness and on and on and on. Once you learn the wilderness situation that's in your life and how to handle it and what God's trying to do through it, once that you understand it and you can walk in it, the rest of it will be a piece of cake. And right now, the way most of us are, when that, when that uh, uh, temptation comes... We have never had, most of you sat in this room, have never had the foggiest thoughts that God is trying to change me through this thing. It's always been the hell that I'm going through. Come on. The hell that I'm going through. I, the hell that I'm going through. I mean, nobody's going through the hell that I'm going through. And that's the way most of us have, uh, most of us has uh, taken that and taken that and taken that and taken that and taken that. Now, I want you to go back with me now over in 1 Corinthians, that 10th chapter. Now, we'll come this forward. I'll, I'll try to go back here as often as God will let me do this. Now, I want you to read this, and you're going to have some different eyes that are going to be seeing this. There hath no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you be able to bear it. Now, you ought to be starting to see that just a little bit differently now. Not, oh, no, here comes hell itself at me. They're going, hey, here comes, here comes the opportunity for me to get closer to God. 
See, I've often said, not in this church, but over in Illinois, as we have come studied this kind of stuff now for quite a while, as I have said, the difference between those of us that grow up in Christ and those of us don't are those of us that have learned to handle the temptations. If you can't handle the temptations in your life, you will not grow beyond where you're at right now spiritually. And because that you won't grow beyond that, God can't use you up into anywhere unto right here and behind that. Can you understand that? God, God can't not, God can't use you. You're, you're standing, see, the church is standing at the brink of miracles. The church is standing at the very brink of miracles, but the church will never walk into those miracles until the church is taught. Until they can understand exactly why and what's keeping them back. How many saints have I had say, Brother Deckard, I, I know I can taste it. I'm so close to it. I can taste walking into that place of miracles that I hear you preach and teach about. And it will go on 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 and it will go on. Until one day you'll work the works of God through the name of Jesus Christ that will startle anybody that will stand around long enough to watch it. Mm-hmm. Until then, you see, that's the reason I guess I go back. I mentioned, I think, earlier in, the, in, uh, in this uh, uh, series that if you can't come through where you're at now, you're really not going to be much, much use to God. Because you see, God... God can't use people that are so, people that get tied up into their wilderness experience, their temptation. You can't, you can't really minister to other people because why you're too busy being too tied up in the self, too tied up into that situation, that wilderness experience that you're having to be very effective in helping anybody else do anything. And that's uh, important for you to keep hold of and to understand. Now, as I said, God's patient, and God will permit you to make as many laps around the wilderness uh, until you get it all straightened out, all right? Now, uh, uh, until you've succeeded in the problem or become hardened, that another lap will make no difference whatsoever, and it doesn't. Hmm? And if you don't come out of that, 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 that situation, that temptation... You'll get to the place where you get hardened. You'll just get to the place and you'll, here come that, here come that situation again. You'll be passing that same old rock again. It won't mean nothing to you. Said, oh, God can't do that. I've tried. I pray God take this immediately, take it away, and He didn't take it away. And that's the way most of us have always handled temptation anyway. Oh, God, take this temptation far from me. And here God's saying, I'm trying to use this temptation, huh, children, to be able to bring you into that place with me. And it's your, Pass this temptation far beyond me. Well, God's doing something through it, see. And, and we've, we've just looked at it backwards for years. Now, if we obey God's Word uh, pertaining to our situation, you'll immediately come out of your wilderness area. If you obey God pertaining to that situation, you'll come, out, you'll come right on out of that wilderness area. Now, if you don't, as I said, hmm, it's, just a, it's just another trip. Just another trip through the wilderness. All right, let's talk just for a minute. Let's talk for just a minute about domination. Now, I don't think there's any problem with understanding that, that domination is rebellion. and Rebellion is like that under the, uh, uh, the thing of witchcraft. Of knowing that uh, God can't use domination. He, he can't use domination. But uh, I want you to realize if you will here this morning, if you are a person that dominates, all right, and when you usually a person that dominates can't stand somebody else that dominates. They usually clash. They just can't stand being around. Now, they can always stand around being around meek people because they can dominate them and they, they like that. But they can't stand around being around somebody. So all of a sudden, God gets you in a situation and you've got a spirit of domination in your life and God is trying to deal with you, trying to deal with you, trying to deal with you about domination. And you can't see that. You're out in the wilderness. See, you can't, the old story adage is you can't see the trees for the forest. All right? And there you are, wandering around out there in this wilderness, and into the church, into the church, now you are now in a uh, program underneath someone else that's in authority in the church. Now, I'm talking about a, a, such a program as maybe uh, somebody that would be in charge of the decoration committee for, uh, for the Christmas uh, 
pageant. And you're underneath, and they have a spirit of domination also. And they're dominating you, and you don't like it. And you're all frustrated, and you're all upset, and you've been that way for about two weeks. Huh? Well, you see, if you can begin to understand the fact that while you're wanting to chop that person's head off, maybe physically, shouldn't be, maybe verbally, probably, you probably have never realized the reason God permitted that situation to come into your life was in order for you to be able to see and understand what that thing is doing uh, that you don't like and turn what you're doing to someone else that they don't like. Change. Permitting you to walk through that so that you can see, so that you can change. How many times have we, we blame that? I, I'll never, I'll never, never forget being in a church and, and there was an elder in a church and, and this elder, God bless his heart, I can say I love him today. I didn't then. I tried to. Just a lip service, but I tried to. And I, I, I seemingly, I'd see everything the guy do wrong. I just happened to either be in the right place to hear it or I'd be there to see it. And, and he'd pull some real boneheaded things. For an elder, it was ridiculous, uh, unscriptural to start out with, and, and it just wasn't, it wouldn't even been right out in the world. And, and, and he, got, he got to pull, pull all this stuff. And so, I, you know, I thought, well... So what I did was I got the other elder off the side, and I told him, I said, well, I'm going to tell you what, he needs a devil cast out of him. I said, that's all there is to it. I said, he needs delivered. That other elder, he agreed with me, and he went home and told his wife. And uh, come Sunday morning, everybody in church knew about it. Huh? Everybody in the church knew about it, including the pastor. And, of course, when service was over, we had a meeting, and, and I was the topic of the meeting. Um, uh, Come to find out, after it was all over and I had disgraced this man, I went home and I prayed about this thing. And see, I thought I'd done right. Hmm? I thought I'd done right. And I, and I, even though I got kind of pretty good chewing because it wasn't done in love, um, I uh, still thought, well, you know, I made I justified it within myself, saying, well, that's right. Got home and I went to prayer and I prayed, and the Lord said, "Do you not understand?" He said, "I permitted you." to be able to see what was in this man's life so that you could love him and intercede for him. But instead, what you did was you crucified him. He said, do you not understand yet what I'm trying... He said, I put him as a stumbling block in your life so you could learn to love. Do you know who God had his finger pointed at? It wasn't that elder, it was me. It wasn't the fact that he was wrong. It was the fact that God was trying to teach me something. No, Decker just, I mean, just absolutely just fell all over it. But I learned from it. And after I began to learn how God brings this stuff in our lives, it made it a whole lot easier for me to begin to grow up in the Word of God. Now, if you'll turn in Genesis, the third chapter with me. Third chapter of Genesis. Of course, I think also we have to begin to, to realize that God means what He says and says what He means. In Genesis 3, uh, the first uh, verse, it says, Now the serpent was more subtile than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And He said unto the woman, Yea, have God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For, the God, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Now, <laughs> you have to realize, you have to realize, again, what's going on within all this. Now, Number one, temptation's never real unless it involves the actual possibility of failure. Now, you need to know that. You need to write that down and remember it. Temptation isn't actually real until you actually, until involved within that is the actual uh, place of failure itself. I mean, a possibility of failing is there. All right? You have to know that. You have to know that. 
Now, we know that God means what he says, because he, he told Adam, he said, you don't be eating of that one. And sure enough, sure enough, uh, they partook of the tree in the midst of the garden. And of course, that's where, where the, uh, the death, uh, spiritually, spiritual death, uh, rotated from or came from. Not rotated, came from. That's a bad word. And through that, uh, we find out that they didn't die physically. It was a spiritual death that, that took place there. But God meant what he said. Uh, probably the hardest place as your walk with Jesus Christ is to understand that God does mean what he says. He means what he says. I have, uh, for a number of years, had a real problem with people that fill with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, saved first, that seemed to nothing, get nothing done but to judge and sow discord when the Bible is explicit about what's going to happen in their lives. is explicit about what's going to happen. Now, now let's, let's use that because I've, I've, I've taken that topic for a second. There, there they are. The promise of God is His blessings upon us. All right? When they come with that problem comes that condition. Now, the condition is that you don't judge because every time you judge, you're going to be judged by exactly what you're judging by. And if you sow discord you're going to become an abomination in the eyes of God. All right? So uh, when, the con- uh, when, the condition, uh, when the condition comes, uh, there you are, and the temptation comes within that of you being tempted to either do what? Judge or sow discord. Then you've got a decision to make, don't you? Uh, now I'm getting right down. Now, now we're getting down to how you can, this thing can be uh, applied. It's applicable to your life. Uh, each and every sentence that you probably speak out of your mouth or thought that comes out of your mind, as a matter of fact, that that choice is yours to make. You can either judge that and take another trip around the, uh, the wilderness, or you can either do what? You can sow discord about that and take another trip around the wilderness, or you can refuse to do either one and come out of that temptation. Now listen to me. Once that you're able to come out of that temptation through doing what? Through not sowing discord and not through judgment, you will find out. You will find out the next time that that comes, the next time that God permits that, that, that temptation to come in your life, that it's going to be easier to handle. And the next time it comes, it's going to be easier than that to handle until God will quit sinning the temptation after a while. It'll quit. But you are the very key. You're the person that's going to have to say, this is where the buck stops here. I'm not going to do it. You're the one that has to do that. God's not going to make you do that. There's nobody around you going to make you do that. You're going to have to do it yourself. You're going to have to do it, see? But you see, there again, too many of us don't believe that God actually means what He says. Because if we did, we wouldn't be sowing discord and we wouldn't be judging. If we really believed it. So then it comes to the place again of saying, we got a problem, it's called education. we got a problem because we didn't educate the people. We didn't teach them what they really needed to know. Most Pentecostal, full gospel, charismatic type of movements are only interested in you getting together and having a big time in Jesus. That's all they're interested in. They're not interested in you understanding how you can become an effective tool for God. And I mean an effective tool. And that's the reason, again, these types of ministries, will, oh, they'll bring, the, they'll bring the, the worst out of you and put the best in you, which is the Word of God. They'll bring the worst out of you, which is your flesh. Because God can't use it. But again, I'm not, it always marveled me. I mean, uh, you know, I used to sit myself and, and years ago, and I couldn't understand how one day I could just be a flowing with Jesus and doing great, and the next day I could be out here working for the devil full time. Just couldn't, just could I, you know, I'm going to tell you something. It got so doggone confusion, confusing, and that's never a God, the Bible says it's not, that I almost decided to give the whole thing up. Well, I had a friend of mine who was in the world, he used to drink beer with me all the time, and he come by one day, and I sat there under the shade tree. At that, that point in time, waiting on that uh, spiritual, supernatural bubble to come down and change my life, you know, forever. And you know, it never did come by my house. I don't know what happened to it. Yes, I do. I've been sold a bag of rocks. There is no such thing. 
I, I didn't attend enough meetings. I didn't get the right set of hands laid on me. I grew up in the Word of God. That's where it was at. See, that's where it's at. But that's exactly where I wasn't taught where it was at. And that's where the struggle was at. But I found out. But then this friend of mine says, well, he said, you know, being a Christian, he said, yeah, you're right. He said, that's too tough. He said, he said you know, I, he said, I believe you can get to heaven without going through all that. I looked at him, I thought, now, you might, that's, that makes some sense. I've got Jesus in my heart. All I've got to do is keep repenting daily for my sins in the name of Jesus and keep my, you know, keep my nose clean, keep everything going right. Now, I don't need this. I don't need to maintain all that. I don't need to get into all this stuff and the other stuff and get this stuff. Do you know why things were worse in my life? Because persecution arises for the Word's sake. I was in a church that was teaching the Word of God. Not to any great depth, but they were teaching it. And the fact of the matter was, I wasn't learning anything. And the fact of the matter was that that persecution kept arising because of it, and I stayed miserable. Uh, now, of course, there's some food for some thought there, and I don't want no one to go home and say, Brother Deckard said we all ought to quit going to church and, and uh, just maintain and get to heaven, and that be it. That's not what God's got in mind for any of us. God got in mind for you and I to do what? Huh? To be able to be able to do the bidding of God right here on the face of this earth. And you can't do that, my brothers and sisters, when you're all tied up in your own problems. You can't do that. You can't help other people when you're going through uh, the things that you go through until you learn to handle them and learn to handle them in such a way that the, your problems don't mean anything. They don't mean anything. As I, you've heard me say before, I've got problems like everybody else has problems. The difference is I've learned to handle them. I've learned in whom I've trust. I've learned, in, in fact, that he's more than able. He's more than able to give me what he said that, he had, that he'd give me. In every situation, every promise of the Word of God. But with every promise comes the condition. Every promise is conditional. All right? Let's look at Matthew 22. Matthew 22, 37. 22, 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Now, you shall love the Lord thy God with all of that. All right? Of course, you should have that underlined in your Bibles. With all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. In other words, you're to love Him totally, 100%. Spirit, soul, and body, you're to love Him. You're to love Him. You're to love Him. You're to love Him. And again... You need to understand, if you will love Him to that extent, the Word of God will force you into making decisions. Now, it's easy. Man, mankind would rather not make decisions. Now, let me tell you why I can say that. We make, making decisions is kind of like saying, I love you. It just, it's just one of them things that you just, I mean, if you're going, you know, it's in society, it's a thing to do. I love you, and I made the decision today to go fishing. It just, you make decisions. And it flows and corresponds an awful lot with that. But the Word of God will force, there's too many of us that won't make decisions. There's too many of us that go through these temptation areas that don't even know to make decisions. And we just, well, whatever comes, Lord, take me out of this temptation. I'm believing in Jesus to do that. And that's usually all it amounts to in Jesus' name. All right? The Word, the Word will cause us, when something comes in our lives that's not right, the Word will cause us to make a decision one way or the other. And there's always a true battle, a true battle that will take place when that takes place in your life. A real battle that will take place. I'm talking about a big-time battle, all right? Because then you're going to have the battle of your mind doing what may be done according to the way the situation is. Then you're going to have the battle of self, which always wants self to come out on top. Then you're going to have the battle of your spirit, trying to dictate to you through the Word of God that has been fed into your spirit, man, and now trying to renew your mind to that you must do what God says to do. That battle goes on. The battle goes on. The battle goes on. Most of us take the easiest way out. Most of us either don't make a decision or we make the decision which will dictate the best for self. Very few of us make decisions where self is going to get in a bind. And that's not, not anything too difficult to understand, I don't think. Now, temptation will always suggest an alternate route to the promised land. 
It'll always, the temptation will always suggest that there's an alternative. Hmm? You can believe the Word of God for your healing, hmm? or you can go out and take another batch of them pills. Temptation always gives you an alternative. Some cases, a number of them, all right? The alternate road dead ends in the wilderness, and that's what you need to get down. The alternate road always dead ends in the wilderness. It always comes to dead end in the wilderness, which means another trip around the wilderness. Ultimately enough, that's what it comes down to. Abraham was told by God he would be the father of many nations, and uh, his descendants would be like the stars and the seas and the sand that couldn't be counted. There he was, 100 years old, and Sarah was 90. Huh? Now, look in Genesis 16.3. I want to show you their, their alternate plan. See, that there was, there was. He had the promise, didn't he? He had the promise. Now, look in, look in, in Genesis 16.3. And Sarai, which was her name before she was called Sarah by God, Abram's wife took Hagar, her handmaiden, her, her hand, let me get this right, and Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. Now, that was her alternate. That was her alternative. I'm too old to bear kids. She was probably a little surprised that Abraham could bear kids or cause uh, kids through the seed to be born. And so they decide, well, oh, Abram, he must have evidently uh, uh, convinced her that he was the one that was able and she wasn't. So she says, that'll be easy enough. We'll get a Hagar and, and she'll uh, become your wife. And there's where it'll have to happen that way. Let's be sensible about this thing, Abram. Now, see, uh, they were told by God one thing, right? God said, Sarah, Sarah you, will, you will bear. You will bear the child. Abram, you will be the father of this child. You will be known as the father of, of all nations. Your descendants will be the stars and the sands of the sea. Thus saith the mouth of God, Jehovah. And, and then they took, the, took that promise and they're hanging around with it and they get to thinking about it. Again, with every, with every, with every uh, temptation, you're going to have a choice to have to make. You can either go with what God said and stand on it, or that temptation will give you an alternative. And you can take that alternate route. You have to do that. They had to do that. They tried that, as a matter of fact, right? Hmm? Now look in Genesis 17, 15, and 16. It says here, And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her, and give her a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be her. Kings of people shall be of her. Now, this was 13 years, 13 years later, all right? 13 years later, God reinforces what he had said the first time. Now, you want to talk about temptation. You want to talk about time. Some of us go through these things, and if I mean, if they don't end after you prayed that one prayer last night, if they're not over by, by daybreak the next day, I mean, I mean, this is it. God don't love me, and I mean, I might as well give up and go back out in the world. Some of us actually get into that. Here, these people struggle along for 13 years, and God reinforced it again. Huh? Huh? Actually, that was 13 years after Ishmael's birth. So it would have been longer than that. But that 13 years after Ishmael's birth, and that, that's who uh, came for the Ishmael, which is now the, the grand uh, uh, nation of, uh, of, uh, uh, of all the Arabians. Where that nation came from, from the loins of Ishmael. Thirteen years after that, then the Lord God reassures them again. Hey, thank you again so much. That's Prophet Tom Deckard, Mount Carmel, Illinois. Cradle of Hope Ministries. Again, you can get more information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. Get out there, do yourself a favor, find out what's going on here, and you won't be disappointed. So, again, you can also get more. All the tape series is out there on the website for you to get a hold of. I greatly encourage you to get all that. 
You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com. Again, that's cradle at jewishprophet.com. Shalom. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.